welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for another episode. I'm Sean DeVries, so thanks for tuning in. Today is just a fantastic episode with Elaine Batho. She is pioneering some amazing stuff in women's mental health in our industry, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. She's all the way from England, and uh, and I think you're really going to like something, get something out of it for you. Uh, we touch on some some really great points about what she's learned in the industry and the exciting things she's doing now. So please hit me up and let me know what you think. So let's get into today's show. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. As always, so fantastic to have you listening. Today's a really special day. I got to have a chat with Elaine uh, over a couple of emails and just so great to have her on the podcast today because mental health and happiness within the hospitality industry is a really hot button issue at the moment. So it's fantastic to meet my next guest, Elaine Bartho. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. Now, Elaine, you work uh, in the hospitality sector, but especially with women, coaching them um, about health and happiness um, and making sure they're, they're really charging to be their best self. I know you're a health coach as well. Um, some really important, uh, important areas at the moment, um, we're really focusing on that as a society, but especially in such a uh, such a uh, such a hard industry like the hospitality industry is now. How did you actually start in the hospitality industry yourself and get to the point that you are now? Oh, it's a really long story, but um, <laughs> basically, my my mum was in contract catering um, when she okay. was younger, and that's I think it's just something that I was always interested in food and, and catering, and you know, when I was like the age of five and six, baking with mm-hmm. my nana and all the you know all those kind of things. But I started um, working in a restaurant when I was 14. Mm-hmm. It was like the first job I got and I was like washing up. And But I loved it. I loved the experience of it. And the chef that I was kind of working with at the time could see that I was really interested in what they were doing. So he started to teach me different things. And by the age of 16, I was running the breakfast service myself. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So I kind of just then fell into the industry. It's something I love to do. I love people. I love serving Mm -hmm. people. Um, So I went to catering college. Um, I I worked in hotels. I did a lot of work experience in different hotels, some really nice Mm -hmm. London, top London hotels. Um, And then I decided when I wanted to work properly, I wanted to do, I liked my weekends. So I went into Mm -hmm. contract catering. Um, and that's right. where I really cut my teeth. So working with large corporate companies, managing their catering and hospitality. And yeah, I kind of did that, worked through many different um, areas of that over the next sort of 12, 13, 14 years, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work in the London 2012 Olympics. Wow. Managing, yeah, amazing experience. So I was working for the organising committee and organising the catering for the Olympic Villages. And it was just an, an amazing experience. Um, yeah. From that, how did that, how did that uh, come about, Elaine, uh, before I just keep going? Like, how do no, you just okay. well, get a job to... with the Olympics, you know? Yeah, well, um, so I had a lot of contacts over the years and there was a, one of my mm-hmm. managers over the years we stayed in touch with and she kind of... Um, got me some work in different places over the years and and she then got the role as the senior manager 
and she contacted me and said, would I be interested in being part of her team? And I leapt at the chance. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And then the next, she then moved to work um, in the uh, European Games, which was like a spinoff of the Olympics. (gasps) Okay. Yeah. And that was in Baku in Azerbaijan in 2015. Right. Um, I bet that would have been a bit different. (laughs) Yeah. So then I had the opportunity to do that as well. So Mm -hmm. I did that. But kind of before I did that, I also did some consulting, um, Mm -hmm. working with some really big uh, airline firm, just helping them to sort of relaunch certain things in the food side. God, I'm being really cryptic. I don't mean to be, but it's... it's (laughs) You can can say as little as much as you like. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but then when I was in Azerbaijan and and in Baku, I mean, I love hospitality. I love the industry, but I just knew that I needed to make a change. I'd made some big personal transformations in my life because I was very, very stressed in my Mm. early 30s. I suffered with anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, panic attacks. I suffered with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. But I didn't realize all of this was contributed by the like the anxiety that was within myself through the stress and the life lifestyle that I was living. Um, I just thought there was something wrong with me uh, with yeah. my stomach and didn't think too much about it. So, you know, during all of this period, I had learned a lot about my health and I turned my life around from how I was feeling previously, which is really why when I was in Azerbaijan, that was my swan song kind of mm-hmm. working in the industry in, in that kind of capacity. Um, so then when I came out of Baku, I then spent three years basically retraining in every element of wellness. So from mm-hmm. mind through physical body movement um, and also spirituality to me is really important because we are more than just a, a one dimensional being. So, yeah, so I retrained in all of those things. But because I love hospitality and what and just helping people and serving people the reason why I started what my business was to host retreats to help okay. people in a kind of hospitable environment in a beautiful part of the world, work on all the elements that they're struggling with to help them feel as good as I learned as I could be. Yes. So yeah, that's kind of like a, the quickest synopsis of the last 30 years of my life ever. <laughs> that was that was well done for, for four or five minutes. So I was very impressed. Thank you. Um, look, there's so much to unpack, unpack from from what you just said, which is an amazing yes. career in the hospitality industry. Thank the you. one th- the one thing which I would like to know is when was that moment when you were in Baku that you just went, "Nah, I'm just I'm just done. I want to I want to make that change to do something different." Like because I'm I'm sure a lot of people listening to this who are um, either in the industry for a short period of time, you know, maybe just starting their career lane or have been yeah. in the industry as long as you had for 30 years, like they have those moments, right, when they just go, nah, like yeah. that, ser- that service was just enough, I'm done, I'm sick of being abused mm. or yelled at or whatever. Like yeah. what, was that, what was that turning point for you? Was it, like a, was it like a light bulb moment or was it something you've been thinking of for a long time, do you think? Um, it wasn't a light bulb moment. It was something that mm-hmm. had been in my head for a long, long time. Um, yeah. I knew it was a real it was a real challenge for me. And this is why I used to move my job a lot. So in contract catering, it's a great opportunity to move around. Like you do a couple of years within one unit and then you'd move on to another. So you get to experience mm-hmm. lots of change. And I love variety. But I 
was using that a lot to move around because I loved what I did, but I didn't love the politics and, you know, the sometimes the, the, the un, how can I put it? Like the stress that happens that doesn't need to happen. Um, yes. And yeah. I had made decisions early on that I knew I wanted to get out of the industry, but I didn't know how. And I still loved mm. what I did. So it was a real... It was a real inner challenge that I, I struggled with for many years. And I would probably say maybe from the age of 30, you know, like I was. Interesting. It was a long, long time. But sometimes people get their clarity really quickly. But for me, I needed to experience all I needed to experience to get where I am to today. Um, mm. But it was yeah, always in the back of my mind. Yeah. Mm. Do you think like now you've actually focused on it now and you're focusing on that sort of that mental health angle to yeah. making people happy and stuff like that. Do you find yeah. that's made you in turn happier as well because you can see people going through a journey of fulfillment now? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, this sounds really, really cheesy, but I generally believe this is why I'm on the planet to do what I do and the experiences yeah, that I've had. Um, you know, I, like, I think we all go into the industry because we love people, we want to help people, and we like. There's yeah. nothing better than seeing happiness on somebody's face, whether it's because you've served them a really delicious meal, you know, mm-hmm. you've helped somebody in some way. And I guess I'm just doing the same that I've always done, but it just feels more genuine to me now. You know, like buying a, a new handbag or a pair of shoes is going to give you joy, right? But maybe yes. not you. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. But yes. yeah, but nothing's going to give somebody real joy to be to find your own recipe to making yourself happy. You know, like no one can do that for you. And we kind of when we when I'm we're on retreats or when we're doing work together, I really help women just empower themselves to find what it is that's you know their their struggles so that they can clear that away. Mm. Um, and that to me is just to see that in someone's eyes is. Oh God! If I could bottle that, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> why do you Why do you think mental health is so important in the industry now, where it's actually bubbled to the surface as being an issue that we talk about? Because we all know, like you and I have been in industry for a long time. Like yeah. we we know that you know drugs have been an issue for a long time in the industry. Yeah. That the mental health's been an issue. That sexism has been an issue. Like, why do you think mental health has now come up? Do you think it's just because it's a bit more socially responsible and talked about generally in society or? Oh, I'm going to sound really horrible to say this, but I think it's because it had, it's had to because it's come yes. up everywhere else. And, mm. you know, I think the reputation in the hospitality industry is, you know, we work so hard, play hard, and that's kind of been the culture that has been with it for as long as I've known and I'm sure way before I was mm. in it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's... With all that's going on everywhere else, it shines a light on it. But hopefully employers are starting to realise that when you do take care of your employees, it makes a difference. You know, I remember it was really challenging to recruit chefs. Like nobody wanted to be a chef. And I'm going back like 10, 15 years ago. Yes. And there just wasn't the appeal for people to go into the industry because it was the money wasn't brilliant. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm the hard hours that people had to do and the skill set wasn't there. I mean, I don't know if you experienced the same in Australia, but certainly in London, we had a real mm. deficit of, of skilled chefs. Most um, definitely, yeah. So I think if, if we as an industry can make, you know, the working environment as well as 
remuneration for the work that you do more appealing, we're going to attract people for the long term. And it's a great industry to be in, but it mm. really can benefit from taking care of people. And it's not, I mean, I remember the way we would reward our staff would be like a night out. And of course that involves alcohol. That's, you know. Yes, always, like, right? Mm. Exactly. You know, mm. so it's thinking a little bit about how can I take care of my employees better? Um, and everyone's going to, you know, the whole thing is going to thrive from that. You're, you're going to get better performance for employees. You're not going to have such a big turnover. Um, you know, it's, it's just common sense, really. Yes. When you, when you came into the health, I'm going to call it the health industry, yeah. um, three years ago or four yeah. years ago, did you, did you already know someone in the industry or were you looking for people to sort of figure out what you wanted to do as a bit of a beacon or was it just something that you naturally decided you wanted to flow with yourself? So for me, I think it was really, I didn't realise how good I could feel until I felt mm. that good. And that sounds a really weird way to say it, but I was like, my God, people don't realise. Like, and it was simple things. Um, so I just feel like such a responsibility to share that with other people. And I think in, particularly as women today, there's a real stoicism. We've got to be perfect. We've got to do everything. And it almost like become quite masculine in the way that we are. And that's not good for our health. No. Um, and, uh, you know, I work with women and it doesn't matter what age they are. They could be 30, could be 50, but... The waking up and going isn't what I want to do with my life. Mm. Um, so all the things that when I was feeling the, the things back in those days, like I felt I was the only one. So I think to share that with others and say, do you know what? You're not the only person feeling the way that you're feeling um, is, is just so powerful. But that, so that was one thing aside. And then also this is like a really scientific approach to what I wanted to do. I came back from Azerbaijan and I literally got a giant sheet of paper and I wrote down on this piece of paper all the things that I love to do and all the things that I wanted to do in my business. And it became very, very clear that it was a retreat service, a coaching service of helping okay. people feel good in mind, in body and, and spirit. Um, yes. So, no, there wasn't anyone that I was emulating particularly. I would kind of just brought facets of all the things that I loved and created it. Sure. Was was going on retreats or hiking or, or camping or those kind of things, were they were they things you were doing while you're yes. working in hospitality in order to break? Yeah, okay. Yeah, kind okay. of, but in the, la the latter stages of what I was doing, like I, so for me, the, the big, I'm going to say probably the biggest breaking point for me was I, that I suffered, as I said, really badly with IBS. Yes. And I went to the doctors and they gave me, a pill and they said every time you eat you can take a tablet just before and you'll do this for the rest of your life and that will heal your God. yeah that was that was my reaction mm. so I dutifully did that for a couple of months and it didn't work and my IBS was so bad I couldn't leave my house sometimes I was like 30 something young 30 couldn't leave my house the commute into work in the morning I'd have to get off the train several times you know it was really debilitating my life and I just thought I can't live like this yeah so the pills weren't working and I went back to the doctors and they went oh you know you can try cognitive behavioral therapy CBT sometimes this mm -hmm. works for people so I went along and the first session the the girl diagnosed me with anxiety there and then and I it just blew my mind I was like oh my god I'd never linked 
the stress, the way I was thinking to that effect mm. on my stomach. Sure. Know? And in 10 weeks of doing that, my IBS went and I haven't had it to this day. Wow. Yeah. And that's what? where the power of the mind makes you realize because, so for example, if I just say about IBS, yes. when, you're in, when you're in stress, your essential functioning, like, like your body wants you to run or fight the, the danger, yes. regardless whether it's a pile of work or a saber-toothed tiger, it's the same mm -hmm. reaction in your body. So when that happens, all the blood is going to your muscles. So the things that are non-essential, like digestion, are switched off. Your immune system is switched off. So if you're in a constant state of stress, your digestion isn't working properly. Your immune system's depleted. So I was always ill. You know, I had a flu, I had cold, I had something all the time. Mm. And of course, my stomach wasn't able to digest food properly. So... And it's basic when you think about it, but we don't know these things until we know these things, mm. right? So, yeah, it's cool. Um, and I just, it makes me think, God, if someone actually has to live with believing they have to take a pill with every meal they eat for the rest of their life, like we're doing a massive disservice to, to people, which is why for me, it's so important that I share with others what I've learned and, and help them to feel as good as I can know you could, they can feel and how I feel. Yeah. Because I, because I guess what the doctor was doing was was literally just giving you a cover up, yeah, rather than trying to fix yes. the actual core root of the problem, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Mm. So, the, one of the challenges with my podcast is the fact that I speak to a lot of leaders within the hospitality industry, yeah, and and m fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, they're mostly male, Elaine. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the reasons when you reached out to me, I really wanted you on the podcast was one because I knew it would be such a great topic that a lot of people would get a lot of value on from. But but two, like the fact that you're female and a leader in the industry mm. and try and do great things, like that's the reason I wanted to get you on. Oh, thank you. Why, why, do you, why have you exclusively looked after women with what you're doing now in, in health and happiness? Why have you found that's important? Um, so several reasons. I, I niched with women because I just feel that um, – like I said earlier, like there is a lot of stoicism. We try to be perfect. We try and do everything. Mm. You know, there was a, a huge insurgence of feminism in the 80s. And I don't think, you know, and I'm, I think I'm all for women leaders. But I think the mm. way that perhaps we've gone around hasn't necessarily been healthy. So yes, I look at myself in the way that I used to manage sometimes. And I apologize to all my previous employees. I used to be really strict. I felt like I had to manage like with an iron fist, like a bit like Margaret mm. Thatcher. Yes. That, that's not one that's not in, helpful for your employees. Luckily, I learned how to and moved out of that. But I used to wear trouser suits. I used to be really like scary. I had this guy once and I was working in a law firm managing their catering. I had a guy contact me saying he wanted to book an event. And I was right. like, come down, let's have a meeting. And, and he was like adamant he wouldn't come down. And I kept pushing him, saying, well, come on, it's easier to talk face to face. And in the end, he said, I can't talk to you. You scare me. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, I'm five foot three. <laughs> That's why right. I'm like, not very tall. And I <laughs> yes. was like 30. And yes. he was a guy in his 50s and a lawyer. And wow. I was like, but, you know, I'm not saying this is how all women are, but. 
certainly I think that puts a lot of pressure on your body if you're you're managing in that way because we're trying to, trying to keep up with the men. We're really managing people in a kind of coaching style and supporting people in a different way. You're going to get a better result from your employees. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so so that I mean, also I because I teach people what I've learned about myself as well mm-hmm. so it's easier mm-hmm. for me to connect with women than it is for men um mm-hmm. so and I just think also it when we bring women together and we share there is so much healing and there's so much power in sharing and honesty and I also feel that sometimes some men like it but if you brought a group of men and women together some women wouldn't be comfortable with that some mm-hmm. men would be bored in the conversation that we're having um, <laughs> so yeah I, I, for me i just it's just more powerful at the moment to work with women and it's not to say that men don't need this too um but my passion currently is working with women yeah I completely understand i was just gonna ask you for a backtrack for a minute like yeah. why do you why do you think you were managing in that way in your 30s do you think it was because you were you were dealing in a in a, a male leadership driven industry or was it was it something else um, do you think that i think there's a combination of many things um mm-hmm. i was under a lot of pressure um like there's mm-hmm. one contract i can particularly think about and it was all about the numbers it wasn't about right. numbers and we had to just keep cutting and cutting and cutting um unrealistic budgets really uh, really unrealistic budgets but i was young i was naive and i wanted to do the best job that i could of course so and a lot of that my hands were tied and i and i had to get people to do things that didn't sit with me comfortably like you know making people work the hours or for money that i it didn't sit right with me but i didn't want to lose my job so i had to mm. do what i was being told to do and we had god i had regular finance meetings I had a weekly finance meeting with my managers and it literally it was a, a weekly meeting where they'd bash me over the head about our GP percentage and how much yeah. bottom line and you know but and, I, and of course I suppose I was being managed like that so it then bled into the way that I was managing my staff um, very true but mm. it didn't feel right at all you know and then you've got that disparity going on inside of you it, it's yeah it's horrible um mm. Yeah, and I think also because, you, again, it's a coping mechanism, you know. I think a lot of it, of I was under stress and I was trying to get the best out. I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. I was trying to get the best out of the job, the best mm-hmm. out of my team, trying to keep my managers happy, trying to keep the customers happy. Um, and I think when you're in pressured in that state, your best behaviour doesn't always come out. Yeah. you're tired as well and I was drinking a lot in those days not sleeping very well not eating very well so all of the things are adding into this and I think also you know there there was that culture of of like I grew up in the 80s it was yep. like yeah girl girl power but in a different way yeah just so, take it just take everything on and you can do everything that everyone else can do you know when, yeah and I sometimes think that's, that's a challenge for anyone right <laughs> totally and i also mm. think with women as well we try to do everything for every yes. you know we try and take on the world and there's a lot we can take on but sometimes it's too much and we don't always say you know that's enough i can't you know we don't want to let people down 
And I'm speaking, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm massively generalizing here. I know not all women are going to resonate with what I'm saying, but, mm. you know, this is, there is a certain type of person that I work with um, and that message would resonate with them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Mm. I was going to ask because I'm, I'm sitting in Australia as a six foot three tall white male Elaine. Yeah. Like my, my career has been a, has been a challenge at times, but, but usually not because of what I look like, right? I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty lucky. Like what, what challenges do women exclusively face in the hospitality industry that either you've had to put up with or that you hear stories of, of other women telling you what they've had to put up with? Um, I mean, I can only really speak for myself because back in mm-hmm. those days, I I wasn't particularly open with others about my experiences. But I, yep. I mean, obviously, I, I've seen things over the years. But I think first and foremost is the vulnerability of women mm-hmm. working late nights around people that may be inebriated. Yep. Um, and also it attracts a lot of young women to working in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I have quite a few horror stories I could share. I'm not going to share all of them. But, for example, I was doing work experience in a hotel. Um, mm-hmm. I was only 16. I was working in um, room service. And I was delivering um, – there was one particular time I was delivering beers to a room for some some guy. And literally every half an hour he'd put an order in, he'd want some more beers delivered. And I'd go wow. out and deliver all this up. And each time I noticed this guy was a little bit more pleased to see me and he'd get, he was a little bit more drunk. And in mm. the end, I kind of like said to my manager, this guy's a bit drunk. I'm a bit worried about going up. Um, and so they said, okay, don't go up. We'll send someone up. And they sent a the guy up. And when the guy knocked on the door, the guy was naked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So luckily for me, I was, you know, I whilst I wasn't necessarily talking about my experiences and how I was feeling, I still had, you know, some guts and I wasn't prepared. To, something felt wrong. I wasn't going to go up to that room again. But yeah. I shouldn't have ever been put in that situation in the first place. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, so there's, there's that side of it. I think there's also the other side of the... I, for example, I took on a job from somebody else. My manager left and I got offered to do his role. But my mm-hmm. bosses wouldn't pay me the same money that he was paid because they said his he had, he was older, he had more experience, but I was doing the same job as him. And yeah. I didn't, you know, I couldn't argue with that. I, you know, I, I wanted the job. I wanted the opportunity. Um, so I took it. And that happens a lot. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think generally... Yeah, there's there's lots of things that go on as women. It's a lot better now, um, and but we probably some of us are too afraid to speak out and say um, that something's not right. Mm. So those are, I would say, probably the experiences. I have many more, but um, we haven't got time to go through them today. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, can I just touch on one thing you said? You said yeah. it's a lot better. You said it's a lot better now. Yeah, I believe like, so. Like. And 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 that's great, but does does a lot better now mean good enough? Like, Uh, or is it or is it still like a grind? Because when when I hear those kind of stories, you know, they make me feel sick. And and I've always been one, especially probably the last ten years, where I think it's been really apparent where I've been in positions of power, yeah, um, or authority or leadership to try and 
push women leadership further. Yeah. yeah. Um, and make the conversation that we need more women leaders in a particular organization or a particular scenario or business I'm working in because it just makes sense yeah, to have yeah. different different voices at the table. Yeah. Um, like do, do you think it's good? Do you think it's still a bit of a challenge for women in the industry? Like where do you think um, it's actually at? It's really hard for me to say because I am I'm not at the the the, grass the cold roots. face. Mm. Yeah the cold mm-hmm. face. Um mm. I would love to be like a fly on the wall in, say, like a hotel environment. Mm. I, and I, and I, I'd like to think that it's very different to when I was doing that twenty years ago, um, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, but I do have a bit of a sneaky suspicion in some parts it's going yep. to be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I think you know, like because I, when I left working as part of the industry for somebody else, I was at quite a senior position. So I was, you know, I was a bit more privileged than I had been like 10 years previous. And I don't know. I, I think I'd like to think from the people that I talk to that it is better, but again, they're tend to be senior people in the industry too. Um, Oh, it's so hard to say. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm asking deep questions, but I, no, I no, think I love a deep you've question, got you've but got it's... but you've yeah, but you've got so much knowledge of the industry. I really wanted to yeah to understand it a bit more. So I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. yeah. Now, Elaine, obviously, you've got these amazing retreats that you're doing for women in the industry. Do you just want to have a bit of a chat about where you host them and and what women can expect to get out of them? Yeah, sure. So um, for me, it's about taking people away to like a paradise place. It's like a a natural Disneyland, I guess. So the, the mm-hmm. location is really important. So we've been to St. Lucia, we've been to Sri Lanka, we've been to Mauritius. Um, and next year I'm looking at the Philippines as a destination. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So because if you're going to work on changing your life, you only really want to do it once. And these are life-changing, transformational weeks. Um, yes. So I kind of work on every element of feeling good so like we talked about earlier so how you feel physically and that's how you move your body what you're physically putting into your body food liquids um how you think so we do coaching um lots of sort of ways to to learn how to think in better ways for yourself um Mm -hmm. we do meditation we do a lot of stillness and just kind of listening to yourself because that's one thing that a lot of us tend not to do we keep ourselves so busy um Mm. and deny and numb and all of those things (laughs) and then also we do lots of fun things but they're all relevant to what we're working on but i only do small groups of women so it'd be a maximum of five women and i have calls like coaching calls with them before so i get a really good understanding of what they are wanting to work on so then i build the content based on what these women say um as well so it's really tailored to helping them just you know break free of whatever crap is holding them back that's stopping them living a life that's happy healthy and authentically them really i bet you've probably got a lot of stories about breakthrough moments in these retreats that you could talk about is there is there one that you sort of remember the most that that you've seen one of these women just break through and yeah so um Last year when we were in Mauritius, one of the ladies, she, she'd done some work with me before and she was quite 
um, open to she like she had trust for me, which I think is very sure. important. Um, yeah. And she had been dealing with a lot of. Uh, what she'd call people pleasing, you know, not listening to herself and just doing yep. everything for everybody else. And they were doing an exercise where we talk about where can you feel a certain block in your body. It's quite deep work. Um, okay. And she could feel like this block in her throat. And we were talking about it and working on it. And this, like, we're several days into the retreat, so we'd been doing a lot of work on it. Um, and in the end, like, I, I just said to her, like, where and how do you want to release this block? And she was like, I want to scream. So I said, well, scream. And she got the pillow and she screamed in this pillow. And it was, oh, my God, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now. But she, the next thing, I just, I felt this huge surge of emotion and didn't mm. know where that came from. But I looked at her and she just burst into the most uncontrollable, heartbreaking tears and she just cried like that for a couple of minutes she then opened her eyes and she goes oh my god I feel amazing like wow. like so much lighter like she'd been carrying this around with her for so long um and she oh, she's amazing she's absolutely amazing and she liked she was um constantly telling me about how wonderful her life is now and it's like because she'd let stuff go um and yeah, it's it's so hard to kind of explain it. You kind of have to experience it. But she's oh, she's an amazing woman. I mean, we're all amazing, but we yeah. hold on to so much stuff. And it just I love that process because I'm not doing that to her. She's doing that for herself. I'm just showing yeah. her how to do that for herself. Um, and then that becomes sustainable. And rather than someone saying do this, do that. And then you're doing something based on what someone else tells you to do. Mm. It's enabling you to kind of, and that's why I think coaching is so, so powerful because you're, you're asking somebody questions that help them get their answers and coaching works in management as well. You know, rather than micromanaging people, you can coach your employees. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Man and managing the output a bit more than just yeah. the hours and all that kind of stuff that are actually put in. It's, it's, um, It'd be quite interesting to see how much um, the industry changes over the next, especially five years, I think, yes. in regards to managing or coaching people. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is it? I was going to ask you, what what do these mm. retreats do for you? Because obviously you're such an empathetic person, Elaine. Like, do, do you feel... Uh, do you feel charged and 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 oh, yeah. uh, full on after these, or do, they must take a lot out of you as well? Like because yeah. you're dealing with five other people's emotions, you know? Like yeah, um, yes, it does. But at the same time, it does energize me. Like I think well, we all know what it's like working in hospitality. It's hard work, mm. and I have that. I think it's in my bones that I'm prepared to work <laughs> hard, and I love it. Mm. But I always, you know don't feel too sorry for me because I'm flying to countries that I love to go. I love to travel. Yes. Um, I give myself a day there by myself first and I'll give myself a day or a couple of days afterwards to, to decompress. Yes. Um, and you know, I'm looking after myself as I'm looking after them. I mean, I look after myself every day, but I'm doing it in a tropical country when I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but that's why I cap the numbers at five because I know that if it was any more, I wouldn't be able to serve them in the same way. Um, yes. And I've got boundaries that I, I set for myself. If I'm tired, I go to bed. If, if, you know, if I need to be by myself, I'll be by myself. Um, 
if I, you know, if I there's something that's not right, I, I would say so, um, and that makes a big big difference. But it fundamentally it energizes me. Like I can come off mm. an hour's coaching call with someone, and it's like a shot of of caffeine. Effectively, you feel great. Yeah, and I think that's what happens when you're doing what you love to do. You totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. It's it's interesting how you said some really simple things there, like if you're tired, you go to bed, and like yes, you know, yes. if you want to be by yourself, you be yourself. But I reckon during your thirty years in the industry, you would have oh, no, deliberately pushed yourself no. through that kind of stuff, right? You were trained to yeah. push yourself through that stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's very much quite a uh, quite an opposite thing. It's yeah, it's so amazing that you found your happy place. It's awesome. Oh, thank um, you. I was just going to ask you finally, like, what kind of things do you think people can do? Who are inside the industry to sort of benefit themselves health wise if they if they can't come to your retreats alone? What what are a couple yeah. of hints and or tricks that they could learn from you? Well, I think really it's looking at how you take care of yourself. Like mm-hmm. we are so good at taking care of others, but it shouldn't be at the detriment of your own health. Because I and this it's like I love an analogy. And I always use this analogy of my clients. So imagine you had like a bucket of water. Mm-hmm. And someone Mm -hmm. has an empty bucket of water and you want to fill up their bucket. But if Mm -hmm. your bucket has a hole in the bottom, you're never going to fill up their bucket and you're going to deplete yourself in the process. Mm. So it's like constantly draining. So you have to kind of plug your holes to then help others better. So it's not selfish. And I think that's one thing that comes a lot. Uh, it comes up a lot when you talk to women about taking care of yourself it's like well I can't do that and I've got this and da 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 but mm. it's just the fundamental things like what are you physically putting into your body now your body will within six to eight hours will have digested your food and the nutrients of what you've eaten are in your bloodstream so in your blood going around fueling your cells is it alcohol McDonald's chocolate or is it fruit, vegetables, water? You know, so mm. if what fuel in, fuel out. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and also eating at the right times. So one thing I never used to do was I used to just not eat, and I, my yep. energy would crash. We do that, you know, but it's keeping your energy sustained, and again, just thinking like layman's terms, your hormones have a huge effect on how you how you feel we know we all know this but mm-hmm. the foods that you eat are cre- are basically creating your hormones they're the building blocks of the chemicals that make your hormones so if you're not eating the right things it's going to affect how you eat and there is a massive correlation between depression and bad diet anxiety and bad diet so if you're eating a lot of sugar you're drinking a lot of caffeine all of these things are going to affect the way that you feel Mm-hmm. Um, sleep, drinking enough water, um, and actually taking some time to still your mind. Like you might not meditate; that's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. you could go for a walk, not listen to anything, talk to anybody, and just walk around in the fresh air for ten minutes and notice mm-hmm. what's around you. Your brain needs to switch off; it has to. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, and another thing as well, I would say um, we all tend to be very active in, in the industry unless you're in senior management. When I got in senior management, all I seem to do is sit at a desk all day. So mm-hmm. moving your body as well, just getting up and moving around. 
these are just all the fundamentals and this is nothing new that anyone has ever heard before but i bet 90 percent of the people don't do it you know and it's and for myself i know all this stuff and i still have to remind myself to get up and go to the gym every morning or drink my two liters of water or do my meditation or go to bed yes yeah that's probably where you've heard me either laugh or just go quiet. Because Are you not I've, sleeping every, in that session? Not at all. Not at all, Elaine. No. So I've 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 been quite um I'm quite jealous now that I can't come to one of your retreats. So I think I've learned a great <laughs> deal, but I've learned a great deal from this podcast. So I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank um, you. Now, what's what's the best way that people can find out about what you're doing with these retreats? Because they sound incredible. So mm-hmm. I'm really jealous. So what's the best way uh-huh. people can contact you? Um, so my business name is my name. So it's Elaine Batho. So my website is elainebatho.com. I'm mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, uh, Elaine Batho. I'm on Instagram, Elaine Batho. Um, Good. And that's usually the, the easiest ways to find me. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to awesome. hear from, I mean, even just to hear anyone's feedback on what I've talked about in the podcast was be awesome because I'd love to know what's going on in the industry now at, at grassroots level with what we talked about earlier. Um, and, you know, anything that someone sends to me, it could be totally anonymous. I'm not going to necessarily share it, but the more mm-hmm. I know, the more it can help other people too. Yeah, I totally agree. I hope you, um, I hope you decide to do one in Australia one day. Yeah. Um, in oh, I love somewhere. Australia. Somewhere far it. north Queensland or something like that, I think you'd you'd find really amazing. So, oh, um, I'd, I'd be very happy to go there. I've always wanted to go <laughs> to um, Cape, is it Cape Tribulation and yes, yep, all that area. Yeah, I want to be mm-hmm. up there to tour. So, it'll be on the list. excellent, excellent. I hope so soon. Now, um, obviously, I'll put all those links in 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 the bio of this podcast, so you can you can have a chat with Elaine anytime. But Elaine Batho, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. As always, please leave me your feedback on Instagram. Just find us under Open Pantry Consulting. Send me a DM and uh, let me know what you think of the show. Any guests you think which should come up would be really beneficial as well. We're going to really push this podcast through the next year or so so make sure you keep filling me up with guests and people who you think would be beneficial for me to talk to until next time take care